Hi, my name's Andy, and thanks for watching today. Before we get started, we wanted to fill you in on our church. Here at Grace Community Church, we have a mission and purpose. Our goal is to point people towards Jesus. If you are looking for a church, we would love for you to be a part of what God is doing here at Grace. There are a couple of different ways for you to start getting connected to Grace. You can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, and more information about service times and smaller groups can be found at ohiograce.com. We would also like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. These times are 8.30, 10, and 11.30. We have a great time gathering for music, hanging out, and learning about who God is and how that affects our lives. Thanks for watching, and we hope to see you next week here at Grace. Well, once again, welcome to Grace. We are glad all of you are here with us this morning. And for those of you who may not know who I am, uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Michael. I am the fourth and fifth grade and young adult pastor. So Sunday mornings, usually, <laughs> unlike today, usually I'm in the block with uh, 45th Street and the fourth and fifth graders. And Sunday nights, I am with our young adult ministry. And while I have the opportunity, uh, I just want to throw this out there tonight for young adult. We meet every Sunday night at 6.30 in the student center. And we are celebrating one year of young adult, and so we're having kind of a uh, young adult first birthday party, if you will. We're going to have a good time. Every Sunday, we, we worship, get into God's Word, and see what He has for our lives. But tonight, specifically, we are um, bringing in putt-putt in the Student Center. We're bringing in a food truck. And so uh, if you're 18 to 30 in the age range, come check it out. We want you to be a part of what we're doing uh, at Young Adult. So make sure you're there tonight. I get the privilege this morning of continuing in our series, Blueprint, God's plan for our church. And we are looking at the letter of 1 Timothy. Paul, he is writing to a, a, a guy named Timothy who is a young leader. He's a young pastor at the church in Ephesus. And Paul, as he's writing, this is about 30 years after Jesus, and he's writing to instruct, he's writing to encourage Timothy on how to do his job. And Timothy, again, he was the one who had to figure out these questions. This is the first century. Jesus had just left uh, 30 years ago. And so they're answering these questions, how to do church, what are the roles, what's its function, what's its place in the world. And he spends most of the letter talking about those things. But in the passage that we're going to look at today, he switches gears a little bit. He challenges Timothy personally. And something that even though he's talking directly to Timothy, every single one of us in this room, we can learn from it. And what I love about Paul is that whether it's in 1 Timothy or any one of his other letters or his books, he knew exactly how to encourage someone. He knew exactly what to say. He knew exactly what someone was struggling with, what they needed, kind of an extra nudge to go in the right direction towards God. He, he knew what that was. And so for Timothy, he may not have felt confident in every area of his job, in his ministry. So let's find out what that is. Our verse today that we're going to start out with, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Here's what it says. 
It says, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. And so a lot of us have probably heard this verse before. And uh, they sent the young guy out, or the young guys to talk about this passage. Very fitting. But Timothy, he is referred to as a young person. He's referred to, Paul uses the word youthfulness. And so we're, you know, we're wondering, okay, where do I gauge? Where am I at in this youthful category? This word youthfulness referred to anyone under 40. So if you're, if you're under 40, you still got it. We're good. You're young, okay? If you're 40 above... Not so much, but it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Biblically, don't be mad at me. Be mad at Paul. He was the one that said it. And Timothy, when writing this, okay, he was a younger guy, but he was actually in his mid to late 30s. And so he's kind of reaching um, the upper half of being young, but Paul still referred to him as young. And it reminds me, every year in the past, we've had the uh, flag football game. During November, it's called the Burger Bowl, and uh, has, has anyone played in that before? Anyone here? Okay, we got a few guys. And every year, there's like a, a cutoff age. So last year, it was 25. If you were 25 and above, you were on the old guys team. And if you were 24 or younger, you were on the young guys team. And I, I know it's obvious, but I was on the young guys team, right? Never been on the old guys. And people like Luke, our middle school pastor, we've always been same age, same grade, uh, same team, but for the first time, he made that jump to the old guys team. And uh, as a good friend, I reminded him of that, right? I reminded him quite often. And, you know, he made that jump. I was telling the young guys, and the young guys, we only lost by 44, so we almost had them. <laughs> but when I look back on that day, it's not the score I think about, it's the fact that, hey, I was still on the young guys team. Anyway, that same kind of cutoff is what. You know, Paul is saying, hey, Timothy is still young, and he's talking to the people in that age range. And Timothy, because he was young, he felt insecure. He felt like maybe, all right, I'm not experienced enough. But what Paul was reminding him of was that age doesn't bring spiritual maturity. Age doesn't bring spiritual maturity. And he says, but rather be an example and the word example here, it means a pattern. It means a model or a visual form to be copied. And so Paul, writing to Timothy, knowing that he may not feel like he's equipped to do this job, he told Timothy, look, you don't have a track record. You don't have a resume. You can't point to, to what you've done, the churches you've led. Um, you, you're not the most experienced in the church. You're going to have to prove yourself. You're going to have to earn the respect of the people in your church by doing these five things. And he gave five ways to be an example. The first one, it says, but rather in speech. So speech, our words, what we say, what we talk about. And the first one, obviously being as a believer, we are called to be honest. And so this may sound very simple, but we shouldn't lie. That's kind of the basis of using our speech to not sin, to honor God. And we should be careful of what we say along with how we say it. Because what we say is a very good indicator of what's on the inside. Luke chapter 6 verse 45 says this. It says, the good man 
out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. So here Paul, or I'm sorry, Luke is saying, look, what's on the inside is naturally going to come out. What you say is a very good indication of what you're thinking of, what, of, of what's on the inside. And so for Timothy and for us as believers, if we have accepted the free gift that Jesus has given us, knowing that we cannot measure up to God, we don't deserve his favor, but he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And if we put our trust in him, if, if, if we believe in that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, and if we've made that decision, then what's on the inside is a forgiven heart that is focused on God. And so if that's on the inside, that should naturally come out in our words. And so we have to ask ourselves, do our words reflect our heart? Do our words reflect what God has done for us on the inside? And so honestly, think about that for a minute. Think about maybe just in the past week, how have you used your words? Maybe you've used it to honor God, maybe not. Maybe it's even good things that we talk about, again, you know, we can talk about things that aren't sinful, that aren't bad, but they're not pushing others towards God. For example, this past week, uh, if I'm being 100% honest, I've probably spent more time outside of church, I've probably spent more time talking to friends and family about Ohio State and the Browns and football and this whole Urban Meyer situation. I've probably spent more time talking about that than I have talking to other people about God. It's not bad to talk about sports. It's not bad to use your speech to talk about football and how the season's going, but ultimately that's not pushing people closer to God. Or maybe we are with our words doing things that are just destructive for our lives and for other people. And I know one big area that I think a lot of people, myself included, there's a temptation to talk about other people in a negative way. There's a temptation to gossip. There's a temptation to find out information from other people. We may know something personal and in an effort to make ourselves look better, what we tell other people and we gossip. But I just wanna throw this out there real quick. I'm not gonna spend much time on it. But when dealing with situations like that, it is always a better idea to keep personal things between the original people. That's kind of a good just standard to, to live by. And so maybe we know personal things about you know, other believers or um, our, our friends or family, and, we, and, and we're kind of gauging ourselves, all right, do I tell other people? We need to ask ourselves, am I telling someone that can help the situation? Am I telling someone that can offer encouragement or offer help or discipline or correction, or am I just gossiping? Because when we do that, it can feel like a form of closeness between you and the person you're telling. But in reality, it's not. It's this false bond and it's motivated by this desire to diminish someone else, to tear them down, to build ourselves up. And that is not right. The Bible speaks against that because ultimately it's a selfish motive. And we need to make sure to use our words well because our words are meant to build up, is meant to encourage, and is not meant to tear people down. And so we need to continually ask ourselves and kind of see where we're at. What are we using our words for? 
are we using them to encourage? Not just being nice, not just, you know, giving a friendly, hello, how you doing? Great. And passing someone in the hallway or in the atrium. But going beyond that, going further than that, and encouraging them and saying, hey, how can I pray for you? What can I do to help you understand who God is better and maybe guide you in, better, in, in, in a better way to live for him? Using our words to encourage. Are we speaking the truth? Even when it's difficult, even when we know the people are not going to like what we have to say because it's truthful, because God says that it's true, but we say it anyway, even when it's tough. And when we do that, are our words kind? Are we saying it in a gentle manner to where we're not attempting to tear someone down, but we're doing it because we love them? Bottom line is that our words carry weight to them. And so we should think about what we talk about because it matters. First one, he says it rather in speech. Second, in conduct. So now he's going not just what we say, but what we do. So don't just talk the talk. Paul is saying, Timothy, you need to walk the walk. You need to, you know, say things to honor God, but not just say it, actually live it out. And speech and conduct, these first two things, it encompasses the observable kind of ways of life. It's what we say and what we do. It's our actions combined. And our outside actions are simply a glimpse of our heart. That's what Luke 6 talked about. And conduct, making choices to be different. It's what we uh, think about. It's how we spend our time. It's how we spend our money. It's what we watch. It's what we listen to. Our actions should mirror Christ, not the world. Our actions should mirror Christ. And that's important because whether we like it or not, people in our lives, people that see us, they see what we say and they notice what we do, they're going to judge us based off of our actions. I know um, about a year and a half ago, it was Kalahari 2017, and if you're familiar, the student ministry fuse, they uh, participate in a big youth conference. There's like 2,500 students there. So it is a pretty big deal around here. January hits and uh, just gets kind of crazy with Kalahari. But it was 2017. I remember specifically Saturday night. It usually goes from Friday night to uh, Sunday afternoon. And I was finished with Kalahari and I had to come back for the morning services. So I had to be back here for 45th Street. And by the time I got done with everything, it was about 3 a.m., so technically Sunday morning, but Saturday, late Saturday, 3 a.m., I'm driving from Kalahari back to the church. And it's that late, I didn't see, I, I probably saw five cars on the way home. You know, it's, 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 it's late. And the first car I saw was the one that was pulling me over, all right? So I see the lights, and uh, I'm thinking, oh, junk, what did I do? I'm in the church van. <laughs> uh, this is not going to go well. But he, I, I pulled the side of the road, and he asked the, the famous question, sir, do you know how fast you were going? And I told him, I was, I, I was honest, I said, I have no idea, I really wasn't paying attention to my speed, uh, it's kind of late, so I was just, you know, trying to get home. And he says, all right, let me tell you, you were going 45 miles per hour, that's 25 under the speed limit. He pulled me over for going 25 miles per hour under the speed limit. He pulled me over for going too slow. And he gave his explanation. He said, yeah, you were just going way too slow. And this is, this is a word for word quote. He said, usually only drunk people drive that slow. 
And I'm going, all right, uh, not drunk. And I, I'm just trying to get home. But essentially, what was he doing? He was looking at me driving down the road, and he was judging me based off my speed, off of my actions, and saying, yeah, definitely drinking and driving. And he was wrong, obviously, but essentially that's what he was doing. And Paul is saying the exact same thing. We need to set an example in our speech, in our conduct, what we say and what we do, because people are going to look at them, they're going to see how we act, they're going to see our actions, and they're going to form an opinion. Whether those opinions are wrong, whether those opinions are right, they're going to judge us based off, our, off of our actions. And with our actions and our life, we need to be exemplifying Christ. And just in case you were wondering, I did not receive a ticket that night, thankfully. But uh, I, I may have made sure that he knew, you know, what I was doing. I said, I am so sorry, officer. I just, uh, I'd been at a church retreat for the past few days. I'm actually headed back to church now uh, because I work at a church driving the church van because I have church in a few hours. <laughs> and uh, it's all true. For the, it was all true. But I made sure to let him know, you know, I work for a church, doing church things, so it helps every once in a while. Be an example in speech, in conduct, and the third one, love. And this type of love, I'm not going to spend too much time on it because we actually talked about this in the first week of Blueprint. But this type of love, it's not a mushy, emotional, feeling type love. It's a self-sacrificial love. Regardless of how we feel, we are putting others before ourselves. And when, again, we talked about this week one, how when we have, through Christ, a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith, the result will then be love. And so for Timothy, he's taking part in this ministry role. He's leading the church. He's pastoring them. And he is called to love the people that he's serving. He's wanting the best for them. He is devoting his time, he's devoting his energy, he's devoting his effort to seeing them strengthened and built up in the faith. And so not only does he just care about them, but he loves them. And for us, we should want the same for other people. Because God loves us, we love him in response, and we love other people. Because love is the response of those who know God. In speech, be an example in speech, in conduct, in love, Number four, faith. Faith, Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is believing in God's promises before they happen. And so Paul here, he's saying faith, and it does have to do with belief, but it also has an emphasis on this idea of being faithful, this idea of being continuously committed to a cause, not deviating off course, but staying focused on a goal, staying focused on a cause. And Paul, he understood that loyalty was needed to be effective. He, especially for Timothy, he knew that for him to be effective, he needed to stay there. He needed to be, he needed to be committed. And he obviously knew that Timothy may have had this temptation of, all right, do I want to do this anymore? I'm having a hard time sticking to this. I'm having a hard time persevering. But Paul knew he, he may have struggled with that. And let's just be honest for a minute, my age group, the millennial age group or even younger, 
there's kind of this stereotype, right, that, that young people can't stick to anything. They quit piano lessons, they don't follow through with sports, they job hop, they can't stay you know, focused on one job, they lack commitment, they give up when it gets difficult. And whether that's true or not, there is a kind of stereotype for that. And Paul, again, Timothy's in that age range, and he's telling Timothy, look, it doesn't matter, you know, how young you are. It doesn't matter the stereotypes given to you. You need to stay committed. And he's calling Timothy to persevere in God's work. And so for us, wherever God has us, whether it's in a full-time ministry position, whether it's serving here at Grace, whatever we're doing that's bringing honor to God, we need to persevere. We shouldn't be getting tired of it. We shouldn't be, you know, wanting to quit and giving up when it gets difficult. But based on God and the power he is giving us, we persevere. But rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and lastly, purity. Now this word purity, it has emphasis in the area of sexuality and sexual desires, but it also deals with the intentions of the heart. Making sure that we have a good conscience. If you're pure, you have a good conscience by not focusing on things of the world, but on God. And so Paul is saying, hey, you need to stay pure, Timothy. You need to have purity, be an example in purity. So how do we do that? How do we uh, flee from lust? How do we make sure our motives are right? How do we make sure that we don't compromise our faith? How do we make sure that we have integrity? Psalm 119 has something to say about that topic. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? Author says, by keeping it according to your word. He gives a very simple answer. How do we stay pure? How do we have purity? How are we able to consistently live our lives and be defined by purity? By staying connected to God's word. That's what he says. He says, I am devoted to your word. Put God's word in our heart. That means we read it. That means we pray about it. We pray on it. That means we memorize it. That means we apply it to our lives. And he gave a very simple answer for that. And so these five ways, Paul is telling Timothy, you need to be an example. Don't let anyone look down on you because you don't have experience, because you are young, but be an example in these five ways. And so for anyone in this room, uh, I don't want maybe anyone a little older than Timothy in this instance, I don't want us checking out. I don't want you guys thinking, okay, well, this, this message is definitely for the young guys, so it doesn't have to, it doesn't deal with me. I'm not affected by it. What Paul is telling Timothy, all of us can learn from. He is saying that we need to be an example. And what I love about Paul is he actually, uh, all over his writings, he talks about how other believers should be an example for other believers. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 and I believe we might have mentioned this verse a couple weeks ago, but Paul says, Brethren, join in following my example. Observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. See, Paul is saying, and he says this multiple places in his writings, he's saying, if you want to know how to live your life for Christ, if you want an example on how to stay committed to Christ and his cause and live a life that's honoring to him, look at other people who have already done it. Look at people around you. And so for Timothy, he had Paul. He could look at Paul and go, man, 
That's how it's done. That's how someone honors God. That's how someone gets through tough times. That's how someone deals with persecution. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, wow. And so for me, as a younger believer, me personally, I was saved. Uh, I accepted Jesus in middle school. So here in this very church, they led me to have a relationship with God. And so as a younger believer for about 12 or so years, what would help me? And Paul is saying the same exact thing. What would help me is to be able to look around at Grace Community Church and find older believers who have been walking their faith out longer than I have. What would help me is to be able to look in the seats, maybe look, you know, just on Sunday mornings and find people who honor God with their speech, who are making sure that they properly conduct themselves to honor God, who are making sure that they are staying committed, that they are faithful, that they love other people and they are staying pure. For me, I would love to see and learn from older people who have done it way better and way longer than I have. Paul is saying to Timothy, look, if you want to know what it looks like, look at other people in the church. And we need those types of people. We need people who have persevered in their life. We need people who have been committed to the cause of Jesus and spent their entire lives so far trying to honor him. Because we need your prayers. We need your guidance. We need your advice. We need your encouragement. And we need an example. The younger people, we need a reminder on what it looks like to stay committed and to live a life for God. And Paul is reminding us of that. And so no matter our age, I know he's talking to Timothy who is technically um, kind of on that younger half, but no matter our age, Paul is saying be an example. And being an example it means that someone is noticing you. It means that someone is watching you. And whether we believe it or not, being an example, it means that your life affects people beyond your age group, beyond your friend group, beyond just the people that you hang out with. Your life affects other people. And we have influence. What we say, what we do, it matters because other people are going to take notice. And so now once we realize that, the question then becomes, what do we do with that influence? We need to be an example in those five ways. He continues in the passage, verse 13. He says, until I come, give attention to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. So Paul here, Again, right in Timothy, he starts out saying, until I come. He had plans of returning. He said, hey, until you see me again, continue to give attention to the reading of Scripture. He's emphasizing God's Word. God's Word that is powerful, that creates change, that is essential for their Christian life. And he doesn't want people to be getting tired of it. He doesn't want people to say, oh yeah, I've heard that verse a million times. I've, uh, I've, I've read that chapter before. He wants us to realize that this book, what God has written, it is inspired by God. It is powerful. It is impactful. And we need it to live our lives to honor him. And Paul doesn't want Timothy to forget that. 
And so he's basically saying, hey, meet for church. He's not overcomplicating things. He's saying, meet for church, do church, and read the Bible. Essentially what we're doing right now, we're looking at a passage, we're breaking it down, we're seeing how we can apply it to our lives. And so our services probably look a little different than Timothy's did, but same concept, same principle, same foundation. That foundation is God's word. And verse 14, he mentions, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. And so that spiritual gift that Paul is talking about, and spiritual gift to, to me, it always sounds kind of like a very churchy word, but it's very simple. Spiritual gift is something that every single believer has. Every single believer has been given a spiritual gift to help the church, to help further the glory of God. And so it's not, the spiritual gift isn't just for the pastors, isn't just for Timothy, the people that work full-time at a church. Every single Christian has been given a spiritual gift. And every Christian has been gifted to benefit the church. And with that gift comes the responsibility to use it. And he says, do not neglect it. Neglect here means to be careless about something. Don't be careless with your gift. Don't waste it. God has given you abilities. God has given you, Timothy, the ability to teach and to lead, to exhort and to teach. But don't waste it. Use it. And don't just use it to gain a crowd. Use it to honor God, to further and benefit your church. And so maybe we're in this room and we're thinking, okay, honor God with my spiritual gift. I don't know what that spiritual gift is. All right, we here at Grace, we want you, if you call Grace your church home, then we want you to be connected here. We want you to be serving here at Grace because we believe that God has gifted you to do that. And so um, if you want to know more about how you can do that, how you can serve, we actually have a set of four classes called our Next Step classes. And so it's uh, Connect, Grow, Serve, and Reach. And, and we have these classes, but specifically our Serve class it is designed for you to attend and different options are laid out on how you can help Grace Community Church. If you call this place your home, you should be looking to serve. You should be looking to see, all right, how can I make this place better? How can I use my gift to honor God? And so maybe for some of you, it's doing behind the scenes work. All right, I'm good with my hands. Um, I can maybe help out with grounds and properties. Maybe you're really good with, with kids, so you want to work in the nursery, or you want to do children's ministry, or 45th Street, or maybe some of you are taking this verse to heart and saying, you know what, I want to be an example to students, and I want to go to Fuse and our student ministry, which we are always looking for godly examples for our students. And a lot of people have this kind of misconception, okay, you know what, I, I'm kind of older, so I would never be able to connect with a student. Like, there's nothing I could say. I don't know how to connect with them. I don't know how to, you know, get on their page. But God is telling us with our gift, we are looking for ways to do that. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're looking to be an example to students. And so verse 14, he says, do not neglect your gift. Find some way to help out grace with what God has given you. Last two verses, 15 through 16. It says, take pains with these things. 
Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Paul is saying, Timothy, all these things I've been talking about, that being an example in these five areas, doing your job, doing ministry, be absorbed in them. And it's this idea of being single-minded, having devotion to a cause or what we're doing. It's this idea of being consumed by the desire to honor God. Being consumed by it, so that means even when we're not doing it, he's telling Timothy, all right, even when you're not at church, even when you're not preaching, even when you're not witnessing to other people, you are thinking about it because you are consumed by this idea, how can I push others towards God? All right, my neighbor, you know what? They don't know Jesus. I don't think they have a relationship with God. We should be consumed by this idea of doing ministry, of pushing others towards him. All right, how can I help them better have a view of God? How can I help them understand the gospel that Jesus died because he loves them? We should be thinking about it. And so even when we're not doing it, even when we're not serving, when we're not attending church, we are thinking about it. We are preparing for it and we are praying for those things. He says, do that so your progress may be evident. Timothy, the only thing that he could fully control was himself, was his own relationship with God. And Paul is saying, once you do that, when you continue to grow, the church will respond. People around you are going to take note because they're going to notice your growth. Because a life growing closer and closer to God cannot be hidden. It's noticeable because it should come out in our lives. In verse 16, he says, watch yourself, persevere. And this idea was to be consumed with the desire to do ministry. And the end of the verse, if you'll notice, he says that you will ensure salvation, not only for yourself, but for those who hear you. So as Timothy grows closer to God, as Timothy is learning, okay, how do I be a pastor? How do I lead a church? And he's learning more about scripture. He's learning how to honor God with his life. People are going to notice And Paul says, not only are you going to be affected, but other people are going to want to know, man, what's different about Timothy? I want what he has. And so because of that, others are going to grow closer to God because of him. And we should have that same principle. The result, through our own personal relationship with God, the result is that people would be saved. And the church, again, we're talking about the church, God's plan for grace, the blueprint, what it should look like. The church is called to remain in the world. We are called to grow continually closer to God and let others see our example and show them just why God is worth living for. Show them why he is so great. And so as we're kind of breaking down this passage and seeing what we can learn, Again, he starts out talking to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on your youthfulness. He's talking specifically to Timothy, who was a younger guy, but he was reminding them that even the young 
Even those, even if we may not feel, man, I have no experience. There's no way God can use me. There are other people that should be doing this job, not me. No matter what it is, the young are able to do great things for God. And so we shouldn't let the culture set low expectations for, for what we can accomplish for Christ. Because God has chosen certain individuals and he's equipping them to do his work. We should ha- if, if you're in this room and, and you're in that younger category, have high standards for yourself. Try to be that example. Be a model for others to follow. Don't just say, you know what, I'm young. I'll, 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 I'll get better when I'm older. It's not what Paul's saying. Be an example. And these are principles that all of us, we can take away something here. The church and the people in it, we have an opportunity to set an example for those around us. We have an opportunity that because of what we're doing, because of what we're saying, because of the love and faith and purity that people see in our own lives, they're going to grow closer to God and they're going to have a better understanding of their creator. And they're ultimately going to come to this comprehension of, you know what? I want what he has and what he has is a relationship with Jesus. And that should be our goal. We do that by living a life defined by godly speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, no matter what our age is. We do that by using our gifts to serve the church and being devoted to that and being devoted to our growth so that we can guide others toward Christ. And we can show others by us being an example We can show others that the gospel, the good news, the truth of what Jesus has done for us isn't just something that saves us, isn't just something that starts our Christian life, isn't just something that gets us into heaven, but the gospel is something that drives us. The gospel is something that sustains us each and every day. And as the church, it is our mission It is our goal, it is our opportunity to show others why that is so great and to show others why God is worth living for. And that's what the church is meant to do. Let's stand up this morning as we close out in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for for what you've done for us. We don't deserve it. God, we are sinners, but we are thankful for Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And I pray that if there's anyone in this room that hasn't made that decision, and they're they're maybe wondering, you know what? I don't know where I stand with God. I don't know if I died tonight where I would spend eternity. God, I pray that you would convict them. I pray that you would allow them to make the best decision of their life. And God, anyone in here who is a believer, I pray that we would be an example. I pray that you would use our speech, our actions, our words, everything that we do, everything that we say, use that as a model on how to live for you and that so, so that we would show others why you are so great. And help us to do that. Help us to be the church that is meant to reach other people and ultimately that others would be saved because of what you've done in us. Pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for watching and we hope to see you next week here at Grace.